Hi, I'm Dan Fuco. In today's Sprift session, we'll be meeting Peter Ambrose, property industry commentator and owner and MD of the partnership, as he shares his view on how data can affect transaction times across the conveyancing process. Good afternoon, Peter. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you, Dan? Yeah, very well, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on. I read all of your articles in the in the trade press as soon as they come out. You're too so thank you. <laughs> so first and foremost, could you tell me um, a little bit more about yourself and the partnership and the why, really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, my background was actually in technology. I spent 15 years selling software. And everyone sort of says, oh, software, it's really exciting. It's actually quite hard work and takes a long time. And it's not nearly as much fun as people would have you believe. And I did that for a long time, both in the States and the Netherlands. Um, and whilst living in the States, I got to understand a lot more about service mentality. And when I decided to give that up, I looked around and I said, well, what is an area that really needs to be improved? And I found that the, the house moving process really consumers were not well suited or they weren't really well treated at all and i and i saw there an opportunity not to make money but to basically offer a an improved service so the idea was was that i would take my service knowledge that i learned from uh, running service desks and apply that to the law started off doing home information packs because that was that was a problem that needed solving and um, targeted a certain sector of the market it was quite successful we were again based on service that was the key but i saw that really as a segue into conveyancing and in 2009 established got our license uh, we were one of the first they're called abs's you know alternative business structures we were one of the first because i'm not a lawyer um and uh, and I, I set up the law firm specifically to provide good service in conveyancing to use technology in a smart way, serving primarily the first-time buyer market in London and a little bit of the home counties, but mainly London. And that's where we started. We've now got a couple of offices, about 100 people here in Guildford and Waterloo. And, um, yeah, we're doing all right. Yeah, that was my next question, really, is, you know, having come across you in my agency career, is I know that you're, I know probably know the answer to this question already, but how busy are you finding the market right now in March 2022? Oh, well, you know, they said to us that um, at the end of June, uh, the stamp duty holiday version one, that it was going to, everything was going to fall off a cliff. It didn't. They said, don't worry, come the end of September, stamp duty version two, uh, that everything was going to fall off a cliff. Um, it, has not changed at all for us. In anything, it's got a little bit busier, which does not follow the script at all. Um, we actually started turning away work again in December. We were forced to do that because we couldn't hire people quick enough. Um, and we thought it would quieten down or get more sensible in January and February. But what we're finding is, is that aid, we're now working with agents and, and all of our work comes on a referral basis from agents. Um, we're now finding that more and more are finding us. We've actually got record numbers of agents recruit, uh, using us, which is fantastic. Um, but we are busy and uh, the pipeline is growing. We're still finding, and I know this is something you want to talk about, but we're still finding deals are not that fast, unfortunately. But um, it's going from strength to strength, which is um, it's a challenge because simply the shortage of, of good lawyers out there. Yeah, I think um, that it's a shortage across across the property industry at the moment of Perhaps where we go through the boom and bust, I don't know if you agree with this, but where we go through the boom and bust property market, um, you know, almost every three to five years, you seem to find that during the during the rush, there's never enough people coming into the industry in junior roles to then satisfy the, you know, the boom. And then when we get to a bust, everybody leaves and jumps to a different industry and so on and so forth. I mean, I, 
Do you see that? I, I do. I, I've got to, without being one of those people that said, oh, this is, you know, this is unprecedented because I really don't like that because history always does repeat itself. Um, I think this might be different this time because we've had two years of grueling work. I mean, it's been grueling like people have never seen. And I think that the shine might have gone off it altogether for a lot of people. And so I don't know. I don't know whether we will see people coming back into the industry. There is definitely a shortage of experience, shortage of expertise, um, which I don't know how that will be fixed, frankly, because there is a lot of experience going out of the market now. Uh, and we are seeing this. And I think it, it may be a challenge, but that's where we believe technology will, will, will kick in. But it's, um, it, it, yes, it, it's definitely a challenge. I don't know how cyclical it will be this time. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the world of conveyancing at the moment, how, what what is it like other than being busy and other than you know transaction times right now which we'll get onto a bit in a, in a moment but what what is it actually like how are you finding the interactions between you know the various stakeholders within it's a actually transaction quite, um actually dan it's actually quite unpleasant <laughs> right now um huge amounts of pressures that you know the agents are coming under lots of pressure from clients um you know this 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 Sort of lack of stock. I mean, agents, you're, you, you've been an agent. Agents always complain about that lack of stock. Um, yes, it's not clever at the moment. But then as soon as we say it's not clever, then right move says, oh, don't worry, it's all getting better again. So um, we've definitely seen more pressure in the last three to six months. I think coming out the back of boom time um, has sort of increased the pressure on people. So um, we are really struggling uh, to communicate with other lawyers. We're trying to get to the bottom of what on earth is going wrong. And one of the big problems is we've still got an awful lot of lawyers working remotely and agents bear this out as well. Communication with them, with remote working lawyers is incredibly tough. And it's the industry. I think it's safe to say the industry, they're not having an awful lot of fun at the moment. It's a grind. Deals are difficult. And we don't know why. They don't appear any more complicated, but they appear niggly. And that, no one, we can't quite put our finger on that other than everything's taking twice as long as it should do. Yeah, I mean, that, that leads me kind of nicely on to what are the main issues right now in the, in the property buying process? I think the main problem is the smart use and analysis of data. Um, we're getting more and more requirements. You know, people say, oh, property law hasn't changed. Why is it more difficult to buy property? It is definitely more difficult to buy property these days. Requirements for lenders are definitely increasing. Um, requirements and issues uh, are coming up. Don't forget, every time there's a claim, every time there's a problem, okay, lawyers have to adjust and do more work to it. And there's a combination. We've had a lot of property scram. You know, all you've got to do is think of doubling ground rents or think of, you know, Grenfell cladding. Uh, well, these problems were not around five years ago. Yeah. And those are just too simple. We are seeing huge numbers of defective leases. This is a new problem that is being caused by inexperienced uh, people or people rushing the work in the past and missing them. And so we're having to try and fix where we can a lot more problems than we had before, because we know that if we don't, then we do lay ourselves open to a, a definitely a more litigious uh, consumer base. Yeah, I I remember, you know, back being an agent, put my agent hat back on again. You know, there's a town, and I won't name any developments, of course. Um, there's a town that I used to work in um, with an awful lot of, 
you know, new build, relative new build apartments. And I'm sure you'll probably be quite a fave with which development I might be talking about. Um, but the entire the entire block has a doubling ground rent um, you know, provision within it. And, you know, we already knew by the time that we were listing one of these apartments that that had to be dealt with before the property even went on the market. And actually, from an agent's perspective, dealing with that issue, I'm not qualified to, to talk talk on that issue or give them advice. But it's actually maybe for apartments right now, the vendor should be engaging with a conveyancer before even engaging with with an estate agent and put the property on the market so that any lease issues can be brought up. Yeah, that, I've always seen that as a big thing with a leasehold is you should be engaging the conveyancer first. How, how does that sit with you? Well, you should do, except that you've forgotten the golden rule of house sellers, okay? is This will be a quick sale because it's really straightforward, yeah? No one thinks that their property is blighted or has a problem. They just don't. Or if it is, oh, the other guys, they won't notice it. Or, well, it wasn't a problem when I bought it. And this is the thing. There is this, I don't know, we need a word for it. We call it vendor denial or something, which says it's absolutely fine. It won't be a problem. Then when it is a problem, suddenly they go, well, why didn't you deal with it sooner? Well, I didn't know it was going to be a problem. And you're absolutely right. But over the years, we've tried to encourage people to engage more up front. And I know that's very trendy at the moment. You know, sort details before it goes to market. They're, they're, They're missing the fundamental flaw in human behavior, which is, well, not me. It's not my problem. And that's why I think you'll struggle to get this idea. And I know people talk about it. And, and, and we're, whilst we're big fans of collecting data, I think getting a vendor to spend money up front, getting that data interpreted and analysed is going to be a struggle. If we could find a way to do that, possibly using technology, then then you stand a chance. But if you're saying to vendors, you need to spend money to sort out some problems that may or may not arise when you come to sell it, I think you're going to struggle. And I think this is where people are making a bit of a mistake. And when we talk about upfront information, mm. and that is the, the buzzword at the moment, you know, leases, and I would say it doesn't coincide with um, the Grenfell disaster. But ever since that point, you know, cladding issues have become so hot, you know. And then, of course, when you look into the cladding issues, lawyers will then find other issues with the with the lease because they're de- delving deeper into those leases, which then creates other issues. So, you know, having a having a leasehold register or somewhere where you can actually have open source access to the leases of the properties yeah. or the new developments or with the planning, you know, that's crucial. That, but there's a that's a big data lake that you need. Um, and a commitment from probably number 10 to do it. it. It's a tricky one. I think there is an argument that says that if people start doing it and seeing the benefits of it, then maybe more people will do it. Um, because I think if we wait for government, um, we'll be waiting off a long time. Um, but you're right. We need to find a way to easily get that information in or into a, um, a format that can be processed. You know, when we're talking about information up front, we're not talking about raw information. And I think this is where people make the mistake, which is where certainly guys like yourselves understand this to say, well, you can't just get a bunch of raw data and go, there you go, knock yourselves out. You've got to say, you've got to place interpretation around it. What does it mean? And the problem with stuff that we've got that we have to deal with is it's words, not numbers. So numbers, quite easy to understand, interpret, analyze. Words, not so much. But it is possible. We're looking at tech at the moment. You can definitely do this and you need to do it, but it's going to be a technology solution, not a legal solution. 
And then it's adoption from the legal perspective and confidence in the technology, which is a whole conversation for another day, I guess. Um, so what do you think is the number one thing that needs to be done to speed up transaction times at the minute? I think the number one thing is people need to digitise. As I said, um, we, uh, I was at a conference today and, and they said, we need, a, we need an action item. I said, every lawyer should go out and buy a scanner. Okay, which sounds really banal and facile, but it's true. Until people start digitizing, until law firms start digitizing their, their paperwork, and it's not rocket science. We've been doing this since day one, okay? It's really difficult to get your hands on information quickly. And if we can remove those elements, you know, there's always going to be parts of it that slow down, yeah? Waiting for management companies to provide packs, waiting for searches to come back, who knows what. You know, there's all lots of external factors. But if you can speed up the access to, to knowledge and access to information from lawyers, you're going to remove a lot of the bottlenecks. You know, lawyer goes on holiday, oh, I haven't got access to the file. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the, the first thing that people should be doing is going paperless. And having a, having a kind of cloud based case management system so that even if you are on your, your iPhone and you have a secure login, even if it's via VPN. OK, great. I'm out of the office. It's there. I, I think you're being highly optimistic, Dan, expecting lawyers to buy case management systems. I tell you, they put it off for decades and I don't see that changing now. There's a few out there that people are buying, but you'd be shocked at the number of people and candidates that I interview, and I say, what systems do you use? And they say, well, I use Windows folders. Yeah, good. And Outlook. And a bit of Excel, maybe. That's what the people, a lot of people are seriously doing right now. And so, you know, or if they're using case management systems, they're really old and out of date. So they're not giving them any benefit. But the problem is the owners of the law firm are not, more often than not, are unwilling to invest because they've got a system that sort of works okay right now. Yeah. And it's like we mentioned kind of prior to the, the podcast, people have done it a certain way um, for an awfully long time and, it's and made an awful lot of money doing it. And, and it's okay. Really <laughs> I mean, that's the problem. People say it's broken. Well, it's not really broken. It's just a bit slow and quite painful. And should it be done, you know, how long does an average take? You know, we're talking 20 weeks. We're talking about them. And you go, that's an awful long time. Well, it is. But on the other hand, supposing it was 12 weeks. Well, 12 weeks, is that radically quick? No, that's still really, really slow. But it works. It's not that people don't move house. I mean, I think 1.2 million people did it last year. I mean, they do it. So that's yeah. the problem. And when you've got people saying, well, this stuff works okay now, it's quite difficult because what it sounds like is you're promote, promoting an incremental change. But actually, you're not. You're actually saying, no, you need to change the whole way you do things. But they, they don't see it that way. Well, I can make it quicker by a week or two. It's like, no, you need to change the way that you handle your data. Yeah. And, and I think nobody's asking for, well, I say nobody, you know, the vast majority of people aren't asking for a seven day exchange of contracts. You know, people people's lives don't dictate that they really can or want to move within a, a one week or two week period. You know, but four to six weeks, you know, even perhaps that's still too short because they still need to organize everything else around yeah. it. But to have the transaction down time down to maybe 10 to 12 weeks is is, is feasible. We've all seen it. We've all seen with, with the best will in the world. <laughs> Between two conveyances, it can happen, right? Oh, you can absolutely do it. I mean, we bought a flat a few weeks ago, leasehold flat with a mortgage. We did it in four weeks. You can do it. But then all the planets aligned and everything was okay and the management company worked well and so forth. Did that bring tremendous satisfaction to all parties? 
Well, sort of, but if it had taken eight weeks, that would have been fine too. So we do have to be careful what we wish for. And I think that sometimes this idea is like, well, I'll push a button, I'll exchange in an hour. It's like, well, who wants that? No one, because you still need to do, you do your, uh, you, you know, you, st- you kind of have to, you're in, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, yeah. because you get someone to exchange within seven days, they say, whoa, 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 yeah. that's a bit Have you got yeah, enough yeah. intelligence? <laughs> um, yeah. How can a, um, how do you feel that, a, you know, a better data-driven approach can help sellers and buyers. This is absolutely key, um, and um, and and I think what 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 frustrates me a little bit is the the denial that we see in the industry about this. Okay, a data driven approach to convincing is the future, and anyone that uh, and I am one hundred percent certain on that. It's not even ninety nine percent certain because fundamentally, all we are doing as lawyers is we are analysing data about a property about historic information about a property and any issues and anomalies that might have cropped up regarding that property so what we're doing is we are making a judgment call based on all a bunch of facts that we have about that particular property if we can break down those facts into metadata categorization and we can work out what it is that's important, and more importantly, what isn't important, then we can make far better decisions. And that's what we need to be doing. Because right now, there's a load of noise around uh, property. There's lots of paperwork. There's lots of this. There's a lot of which is irrelevant. But we don't know it's irrelevant until we've read it and checked it. It's like a local search. You've got 20 pages, but actually, you're only really interested in the building regs and any planning notices. Yeah, The rest of it, you can sort of go... And an experienced lawyer can read a local search in about three or four minutes. But a junior one will take them. Why? Because they know they can ignore most of it because it's low risk. So and what they're effect doing, but they haven't worked it out yet, what they're effectively doing is they're saying, we are making a decision about what is important data and what is irrelevant data. And you know what computers are really good at? They're really good at spotting what is relevant and what is irrelevant if you give them enough knowledge. Yeah. So, by giving people the data and allowing the machine to say, well, 80% of it you can ignore, don't worry about it. But that 20%, yeah, you need to focus your resources on that. That's how you're going to make the change. And that is how you will see an improvement in the process. And with that in mind, you know, something you mentioned earlier is that it's, you know, not not the happiest of, of professions right now with everything that's going on. But adopting a data-driven approach surely enables you to be able to make the you know conveyances job a hell of a lot easier because then you can open things up like portals and progress portals and they can see all the data you know these aren't new inventions you know that they are but you know mass adoption of those things across the conveyancing sector surely helps every conveyancer not be picking up their phone every 20 minutes clients absolutely and when you talk to a lawyer what's the thing that frustrates them the admin side of it yeah if you can get rid of the administration side of things, okay, to get them to, you know, let the lawyers do the lawyering, which is what we need to be doing. But we've forgotten that somewhere on the line. We, we've said, oh, lawyers can do everything, calculating apportionments or, I don't know, doing stamp duty land tax returns for their clients. Okay, If you can get rid of the admin side of it, because the problem is a lot of people say, oh, convincing, it's just admin, it's box ticking. It absolutely isn't. I wish it was. But what you need to do is if you can get rid of that element, you're going to find lawyers going, oh, so I'm actually doing the interpretation now. I'm actually looking at the bits that are important. Therefore, you can you can get a better caseload 
because you can keep your margins, okay, but a lower caseload with less work involved. Yeah. So, and that's the key. You've got to strip out the bits that the lawyer should be, shouldn't be doing. And that way, hopefully you make the, you know, you make it less of a, oh, it's an administrative exercise, which, which some people perceive this element of law is. It really isn't. It's technical and it's difficult, but it would make that role more attractive. I think you're right. I think mean, that's, that's, that's a really good point. And then you get a new wave of, um, you know, the new generation of lawyers coming through. Then it becomes a desired profession. Yeah. Then you have a mass adoption of new ways of working because of the younger generation coming through and being glued to their phones all the time. And then all of a sudden things start to move at a rapid, you know, yeah. rapid pace and gravity starts to take care of. Exactly. It. It's exactly it. You can't say, you know, the biggest mistake people make says, oh, we need to change the whole system and start again. Well, you, you can't say that because it's never going to happen because fundamentally there's nothing wrong with the system. The problem is access to information. And if you can therefore make that more efficient, um, and, and we're talking the nuts and bolts here, we're talking the inquiries, yeah? We're talking analysing leases. We're talking analysing titles. That's the bit you need to strip out using technology. So you mentioned that. I mean, do you have any particular examples of where good use of tech and data have assisted your team in speeding transaction times? We've got loads. Where do I start? Um, I mean, one of the most revolutionary thing that we've done, we, one of the problems, and I call it the black hole of conveyancing, is the inquiry stage. Okay. This is where agents get particularly frustrated. Uh, they don't know what's going on. They're calling up, looking for uh, updates as to where we're at. So we, years ago, in fact, from day one, we always captured inquiries electronically on our system. Last year, we published those inquiries directly to our client portal. So the clients get to see them directly. And especially on a sale, they can answer those inquiries themselves, which they're going to do anyway. But what we did was we cut out the middleman. We literally said, right, those are the inquiries. Please, can you answer them directly? We would then obviously sanity check them and convert them it's been an absolute game changer it has reduced time and effort hugely then what we did in january this year is we made that information available to the agents so the agents could see exactly what's going on we've not changed any of the process all we've done is we've opened it up because we were going to do it anyway and this is what's so frustrating is that lawyers are doing this work only right now today they have no effective way of capturing this information and they don't. So, of course, then agents ask them what's going on and they don't know. So interestingly, and I'm again, sorry to think with my agency head on. Yeah. If I'm an agent and I'm and I'm receiving knowledge of what the inquiries that are being raised are going to be. If I'm a savvy agent and I want to speed the process up and do the best by my client, I'm going to find out what those inquiries are. Send them across to the, the vendor and the copy in the vendor solicitor, perhaps. Here are the inquiries. You know, please let your conveyancer know what you what you don't know, but that's what's coming from the other side. You're, you know, you're delaying the, you know, it's not going out through dictation. They don't have to dictate yeah. the letter that goes out or the email that goes out yeah. straight to the vendor. Yeah. The vendor answers it. I don't know the answer to these questions. Absolutely. Before the solicitors, before the conveyancers probably even had the chance to deal with it themselves, the vendor's done it. And that probably shaves, in my head, about a week of the oh, transaction time. At least. Notwithstanding all the other phone calls that you might have got from the um, from the agent to say what's going on, to give an update and so forth. That's just a, one example of, of where you – all you've got to do is you've got to think, how can I use data in a smart way? We're not breaching any confidentiality. We're not changing any work processes. you just got to think, 
how is it that we're going to cut out the layers of whether it's post? And don't forget, a lot of lawyers do it by post. You know, sending these inquiries by post, you know, to your clients to answer. Well, they'll answer them what on a bit of paper, then they'll post it back, and there's no just cut that out altogether. And that's just an idea. If you've got that data in a format that you can use it, look what you can do to save time. That's just one example. We have lots. And what's next for the partnership? What are you hoping to achieve over the next, you know, coming months, years? The, the coming months, we are investing heavily in um, artificial intelligence for reading documents, interpreting documents. Um, we've just started using data from land registry directly. That's a massive change for us. OK, so that means we can enable to do checking with data that comes raw data from land registry. That means the contracts are more accurate. We can weed out problems more quickly. The major bit of work is we're looking at um, OCR technology, which can read leases. And we've started a project about three weeks ago now, whereby we're putting a framework together whereby we can understand and interpret what goes on into a lease so that we can we can provide machine learning models so that we can feed a lease in and we can find out the anomalies quickly. And that's going to be that that's a big bit of work over the next few months. But we're hoping to get that done this year. I mean, that that's a game changer, yeah. um, you know, and very, very rarely do I hear something that actually makes me think that could revolutionise the industry. But as you break that down, the majority of the properties that are leasehold being apartments, the majority of people at the bottom of chains selling their first home that they ever bought to move up in the world, majority of which are apartments outside of London. So it has a ripple effect yeah. to every, everybody associated, mortgage brokers, yeah. estate agents, you know, sellers, buyers, everywhere from your kind of starter one bed flat all the way up to your kind of mega mansion hunters huge homes, huge. Executive homes. and that's that's just the start don't forget you've got the management pack yeah we've got to look at that how many major works clauses have we missed in management packs yeah so you've got to read them as well you're looking out for that that stuff's easy to do okay so we can interpret management packs you can tell whether accounts this technology has been around for years but no one said how can we use document uh, analysis technology to understand uh, anomalies within documents so management pack interpreting management packs that's straight that's straight following after that you know and let's say flats that's where the bulk is and that's where the bulk of the problems is a because people don't want to do leasehold works so it's a bit tricky and it's an awful lot of data my thanks to peter for his invaluable insight today you can find further episodes of the spriff sessions wherever you get your podcast from simply search the spriff sessions and if you'd like to know more about Sprift and what it can do for your business, please go to sprift.com. Thank you for listening.